You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Good morning, everyone. Happy Easter to you all. My name is David, as Michael mentioned, and I'm thrilled to be able to share with you today as we wrap up this message series that we've been in over the last six weeks and and landing the plane today on Stranger Things. You might be here for the first time and saying, wow, that is strange that they have a series entitled Stranger Things. So let me give you just a little bit of the context. As I'm doing that, I want to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 24. There are four stories of the life of Christ. One of them is the perspective of Luke. We're going to be in the 24th fourth chapter. If you need a Bible, there should be some in the chairs below you there. If you have a digital Bible, you can easily find Luke 24. If you'd like to follow along in the Riverside app, we do have an app, a church app, and there is a live tab at the bottom of one of those pages there of the app that you can follow along digitally. If you would like paper notes, those are in your bulletins as well today. So Stranger Things is a part of a larger theme that we've been in since September. We have been challenging ourselves as a church to follow Jesus with bold faith. And so each month or each message series that we've been in, we've been looking at the whole idea of what does it mean to follow Jesus in a life of bold faith. And so in this particular series, what we have acknowledged is that bold faith, when we live following Jesus with that bold faith, it sounds strange to the world. And we used a group of prophets, people that spoke into history, people that spoke to the nation of Israel, hundreds of years, sometimes six, seven, eight hundred years prior to the arrival of Christ. And so in this series, we're concluding with Jesus being the ultimate prophet. And of course, we couldn't look at anything but to the resurrection story today. So we'll be in Luke's gospel from his perspective, joining with what Michael read at the beginning from Matthew's perspective. As we get going here today, I want to invite you to think about some of the powerful questions that you have been asked over the course of your life. The powerful questions that perhaps have changed your life in tremendous ways or have resulted in why you are the way you are or who you are today as a result of the questions. Perhaps you got asked the question when you were in grade school, what do you want to be, help me out, when you grow up? Or maybe a little bit later on, it was at graduation time, and and the question then was, what are you going to do after graduation? Some of you are feeling that pressure right now and that concern. Maybe for you, that changing question was, hey, would you go out with me? Or would you marry me? And you're here today because you said yes, or you're here today because you said no, one or the other. Maybe for you, it was that moment when your child said, hey, Can we have a dog? When can we get a cat? When can we have a snake? Or my favorite, can we have a pig? What are the powerful questions that have been asked to you over the course of your life? The text that we're going to study today has and includes one of the most important questions that's ever asked in all of the scriptures. Before we look at it, though, I want to share with you a story from my own life and a powerful question that was asked of me. It actually was asked of me on Thursday, January the 19th, 2012. I was in Carlisle, Pennsylvania when this question was asked of me. I was there for a two-day coaching training with a couple of our other staff members. We were learning about a faith-based 
discipleship initiative that Riverside was about to launch that we still have all of these years later. It was called Learning to Follow Jesus. And we were about to launch the message series. We were about to launch a way of helping people to follow Jesus using a coach approach that we'd never used before. So we were there and we were being trained. We were learning about how to help people take new steps of faith using the power of open-ended, powerful questions. Each session, we would learn a particular aspect of coaching and then we would be coached around that. And so it was the final session of the final day and I was paired up with Pastor George Krebs, a good friend, and we were each supposed to choose what topic we wanted to be coached around. And so I chose this discipleship initiative that I was going to be leading. And he said, you know, asked me a whole bunch of questions about it. And then he asked me, at the end of that conversation, he asked me the powerful question that I stand today different because it was asked of me. In fact, if it had not been asked of me, I would have had some tremendous, tremendous regrets. The question that he asked me that day was, as you're thinking about all of this, David, and this new initiative that you're about to launch, what obstacles do you face? And when he asked me that question, what obstacles do you face? Immediately, my mind went to a whole bunch of them. I said, well, George, I've got to cast vision. This is the biggest vision for anything we've ever cast since I've been on the team here, and I've, I'm leading the charge for that. I've got to convince the Riverside family that Jesus actually meant what he said when he said, go and make disciples. And then I said, I've got to help people to actually believe that they need to be discipled. Then I've got to help a whole group of people say, I actually want to be a coach. I want to be someone who actually will disciple other people. And then I've got to convince everybody in the church who is going to embrace this to actually make time in their schedule to receive discipleship, to be discipled, guys with guys and ladies with ladies. And I've got all of those things on my plate. And in addition, we've got newcomers reception coming up. We've got a 101. We've got a membership class. We've got a married life seminar. I had about five or six weeks in a row where it was just chaos and mayhem in my schedule. And then he said, anything else? And I said, well, yeah, matter of factly, my mom has stage four cancer. And we don't know if we've got hours or days or weeks or months, but that kind of looms in the background of all of this as well. And George said, David, I want to take my coaching hat off. I want to put on my mentoring hat. I said, okay. He said, I want to challenge you to do everything in your power when you leave to clear your schedule. I want to encourage you to clear your schedule so that you can be there for your dad so that he can just spend every waking moment just being what your mom needs not having to be the errand runner, not having to be the house cleaner, not having to be the grocery shopper, not having to take care of this or that or the other, but doing as much as you possibly can to allow him just to be present with her in those final hours, days, weeks. 29 days later, my mom, with, my mom was with Jesus. And the power of that question would alter what I would do in those next several weeks. Jesus was the master of asking powerful questions. And in this particular story that we're gonna look at this morning, he actually dispatches one of his angels to ask the question on his behalf. 
But as we're gonna see and we're gonna unpack, I want, after we've read this text, to ask you a series of questions that I hope will be life-altering, game-changing, destiny-determining questions for all of us. And if you're a guest or newer to the church here today and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, please, please, I wanna invite you to listen in because the questions that we're gonna ask have enormous implications for your life. And just as somebody asked me that powerful question that day, I will forever be grateful that George looked me in the face and he said what he said because George earlier that year had lost his mother and his wife to cancer. And he spoke as one who had experience. He spoke as one who had lived through that and had wisdom on the other side. And I think God's word, in fact, I know God's word has wisdom for you and I in the power of a question. Luke chapter 24 and verse one. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? There's our question. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. And in the light of that question, why are you looking for the living among the dead? I wanna invite you to consider five questions this morning. The first one, if you're taking notes, is are you looking for life? Are you looking for life today? Now, normally the powerful questions are not closed questions. Closed questions are yes and no questions. And if you're a parent, you've got to learn the art of learning to ask open-ended questions. Otherwise, you'll get yes, no, fine, and that'll be about it. But you've got to learn the power of asking open-ended questions. But I'm going to start with a closed-ended question. Simply, it's a yes or no. Are you searching? Are you looking for life? The women that morning got up and they went to the tomb, but they weren't looking for someone who was alive. They were looking for Jesus. They expected to find his dead, bloodied, ugly mess of a body in that tomb, but they at least went very early in the morning. I love the fact that it's the women. The guys aren't there. They're either not up yet or they're too afraid. It's a strange thing. I love what Donnie said as we were preparing for this message. Donnie said, it's a strange thing to go on a treasure hunt in a graveyard, but that's exactly where we find these ladies. And many people today find it strange to go to Jesus for life. In fact, if you were invited by someone today and you're sitting with them this morning and they invited you and you look back and you see who they were this time last year, but they seem transformed, they seem different, in fact, you can't figure out why they're so excited about life, why there's so much joy, why there's peace, why they have transformed into who they are today. Maybe it's because they have found life. 
It's because they found an abundant life now and eternal life for all of life. Maybe perhaps they become someone new, something new. And some of you who have found life, you know what that's like when you find something that's utterly and completely the most important thing. You find everything that you've ever been looking for in the person of Jesus. But think for just a minute, what, what if they hadn't have gone that morning? What if they didn't go to the tomb? Think about what they would have missed that day. They would have missed a strange encounter with an angel. I mean, who actually believes that? Crazy enough to believe that story. They would have missed the opportunity to have their hope renewed, their hope restored. And they would have missed out on being the eyewitnesses to the most important event in all of history if they hadn't gone. And you have to ask yourself the question as well, what if you don't go? What might you miss? If you don't go looking for life, what could you miss along the way? Play that out in your mind. Play it out in your mind. If I don't find life, if I don't find a purpose and a meaning beyond what I'm currently experiencing at this point in my life, what story will I end up telling at the end of my life? Play that out. Think about that. That has enormous implications for the present and the future. Jesus tends to show himself to those who are looking. So maybe if you haven't yet started looking for life, today Jesus would show himself to be real to you. I would ask you a second question, and that is simply what kind of life are you looking for? Notice the women's motivation because the heart matters. Our motivation really does have an impact here. Mary Magdalene was there. Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, a lady named Salome and another lady named Joanna, they all came and they brought the, the myrrh. It was spices that were mixed with aloe. And the Jews didn't embalm, but they would prepare the body after burial. And they ran out of time. And so they go back and it was a labor of love to honor the one who had loved them so well. Each of them had a story. Each of them had had an encounter with Jesus. He had impacted their lives in some way. And the truth is, is that every single one of us here and listening by podcast, we have, we have a story as well. Jesus wants to intersect with your story today. So what's your motivation to look for Jesus? Maybe for some of you, you're curious. You're curious about why people gather in a mall so you came to check it out. You heard we were a cult and you were wondering. We're not. There's no Kool-Aid. We will have pastries afterwards, but there's nothing in them. You can enjoy them. For some of you, you're here to find peace or comfort. You're looking for answers or you're searching for purpose in this life. Maybe for some of you, you are so shackled by whatever it is that has you in its nasty, ugly grip that you're looking for freedom. Today, you're looking for healing. You're looking for hope. You're looking for a renewal of your faith, a renewal of the enthusiasm of your faith and the passion, perhaps, that you once had for the things of God, the things that most honored him. Some of you are looking for relief from guilt and from shame and the dead end of the life that you find yourself living right now in this season. 
Next, I would ask you, when are you gonna start looking for life? Notice that they went out on that first day of the week. When's gonna be your first day, the first day of your spiritual week? When are you going to go out and to own your own faith? Whose coattails are you riding? You see, those women, they didn't send anybody else in their stead. They went themselves. They went to look for life themselves. They didn't send anybody else. They owned it. They got up that morning very early, and they went out. Some of us, were riding on the coattails of a husband or a wife. Their passion and their enthusiasm, they brought us here today, and I'm so glad that you're here, but it's time for you to own your own faith. It's time for students in this room to not be just riding on the coattails of your parents' faith, but to own it yourself. It's time for parents who, if maybe a student's brought you, and today is your day, to own your own journey with Jesus. The time is now. Do not delay on that trip home. When I got in the car, after I'd heard everything that George had said to me, I, had, I looked like a deer in headlights because the thought had never once crossed my mind to clear my schedule. I just didn't know any other way other than a hard-charging type A, get-it-all-done type of way of living. But I got in the car and I shared what George had said with Bill and with Lori. And they said, yep, that's wisdom. You should do that. So I got on the phone. It was a Thursday, I remember, because the, the bulletin was printed on Fridays back then. Called the church office and I said, hey, I want you to wipe out the newcomer's reception, the 101, the membership, and the, new, and the uh, married life seminar for the next four or five weeks. And she said, what are we going to put in the bulletin? <laughs> I said, I don't know. We'll figure that out. But I got to get all this stuff off my calendar. And I, did, I didn't delay. And the fact that I didn't know that I only had 29 days with my mother before she would go to be with Jesus reminds us of how important it is not to delay in our own faith journey, to explore following Jesus, finding life now in the moment when you have the time. They were shocked by what they found when they started following, when they, when they went there. Jesus met them halfway. He sent them the angel to help them, and they found something strange. I mean, who goes to a graveyard and, found, and finds someone who's alive? And he appears to them there in the garden. Talk about strange. How are we going to explain this? When God does some really strange stuff in your life, just let it happen. Because you never know the miraculous work that God is doing that may not make sense to you, but he's doing something that is so much better than you could possibly even fathom. Next question I would ask you is why? Why are you looking for life? What's happening in your life that compelled you to come today? For some of you, this is religious observance. This is the rites or the rituals that you've been brought up with. This is what you do. This is a thing to check off. I was there on Easter. I was there on Christmas. I was there a couple other times throughout the year. For some of us, we've been carrying our sin bucket around all year long. And we came today to dump our sin bucket out so we could walk out. And then we will be back again in a few weeks or months or maybe years when our sin bucket is full again and we'll dump it back out. Others of us are here because we've seen the transformation in somebody else and we want what they have. 
We see that they're full of joy even though their circumstances haven't changed. There's hurt and there's pain and there's difficulty in their life, but they still maintain some level of joy and some level of peace that we just can't understand. So we're here today to find out what that's all about. Others of us are here because your family expects you to be here. Again, I'm glad you're here. But the why, the motives matter as to why you're searching for life. Some of you are here because there's been deep pain and woundedness and disappointment, and you're hoping to find that God's resurrection power can still help you in the hurt, can still bring you comfort and peace as it did those people who were so helpless and hopeless that first resurrection Sunday. Why is it that you're looking for Jesus and will the way that you're living, the way that you're looking, are you on the right track to find life? Because the truth is, is that we all come to Jesus to make us better initially. We all come as what we use, the terminology we use around here is fans. We all come to Jesus as fans. We want him to make our lives better and we want him to make us better at life and he does that. But he wants to do so much more than that in your life and in mine. We come to him to say, hey Jesus, could you make me a better husband, a better father, a better friend? Could you make me a better mother, a better wife, a better boss? And if you'll let Jesus, he will work through that and he will help you in that. But ultimately, he wants something much grand, grander, much deeper than you just being a better version of you. He actually wants you to die so that you can truly live. He wants you to embrace his death, die to yourself, carry that cross right up to the hill and let him live in you and through you so that you have life, abundant now and ultimately eternal life. He wants you to experience the forgiveness of that guilt and that shame and that brokenness that we carry around that we know just isn't right. And Resurrection Sunday reminds us that we have the open opportunity to receive that grace and mercy for ourselves. It's not just for the people that are here all the time. It's for you today. No matter where you find yourself. The graveyard that day, apart from the resurrection, was a dead end. And the way that we live, apart from Jesus, continues to send us to the graveyard and the dead ends of life. Some of you, you've heard it said all the course of your life that the way that you find life is by all the rites and the rituals that you have to obey. That if you do a certain amount of this stuff and you don't do a certain amount of this stuff, that you'll find life, that you'll be okay in a spiritual sense with God. Others of you have found that it's more like your heritage. Hey, my dad was great with God. My mom was great with God. My grandparents, my great-grandparents, maybe they were pastors or served deacons, deaconesses in the church. They were high up in some capacity and you're in because of your lineage. Others of you, it's what you don't do. It's the observance of a bunch of, here's what I don't do. We call it Lent. Nothing wrong with Lent, but if that's the season, if that's the way that you find life eternal, you'll still find that in all of those ways, and if you compare yourself to everybody else, you'll still find at the end of all of those an empty, dead 
end graveyard. And there will not be life in that. So Jesus came into this world to speak to those ways of relating to God, and he changed it all when he said, I want you to put your faith and your trust in me and what I've done so that you can have life. He's not gonna hide himself from you. Jesus sees your heart, and he desperately wants to help you. The last question that I would ask you is where should you be looking to find life? Where should you be looking to find life? Why are you looking in a cemetery for someone who's alive? That's what they were asking that day. That's what the angel asked. Why are you looking in a cemetery for someone who's alive? That's a dead end. That's like going to a bakery to buy flowers. That's like going to the butcher to buy shoes. That's like going to Taco Bell to find Starbucks. That's like going to Cleveland to find a winning football team. (laughs) You know, the last service had that exact same experience. I wasn't sure if you all were dead, but now you're with me, all right. It's a bunch of dead ends. If you're from Cleveland, there was someone from Cleveland in the last service that I had to apologize to, so I'll go ahead and make my apology now. You're in Steelers country, what do you expect, right? Think about all the places, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, that you've gone that have ended up in dead ends, the broken places of life. You've looked for relationships, friendships. You've looked for fame or fortune or position or title or a bank account or some sort of a power play in life. You've looked and and depended upon substances or entertainment. Anything that becomes the ultimate in this life actually ends up becoming a dead end. Other religions, other pathways, other approaches to God, all will end up dead ends in the graveyard. And so Jesus says, I want you to look for life where there's actually life. I don't want you looking for a what. I want you looking for a who. And who we look for is the author of life. Jesus said of himself, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When we look, he'll reveal himself. And what are you going to do when you actually find him? Well, you're going to move from being a fan to an actual follower. You're going to die to yourself. You're going to put your trust in him. You're going to acknowledge your need for rescuing and redemption. You're going to ask him to forgive you. You're going to ask him to come and you're going to ask him to live. And then you're going to allow him to live in you and to live through you. And you're not going to experience the guilt and the shame and the condemnation and the distance and the separation and the alienation from God that you were never designed to live with. Jesus gave his life so that he could declare, I am the author of life. And he wants you and I to live in light of the resurrection power every day of our lives. Now, for those of you 
who are following Jesus. So if you're not yet a follower, if somebody's invited you here, you've been exploring for a while, just relax for a minute because I want to talk to those of you who say, I'm a Christian. I am all in with Jesus. It's not just, I'm not just playing games. I'm serious. I'm not just a fan. I'm following. I'm wholeheartedly devoted. We live, the scriptures teach, we live among the dead in a spiritual graveyard. In fact, C.S. Lewis, great author, says it this way. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. And if you found Jesus, if he has found you, we're called to carry the same message. In fact, the word for angel means messenger. We are called to carry and be messengers of the same message that the angel gave those women that first morning. Why are you looking for stuff that's actually living among the dead places? Why are you pursuing a dead-end way of living when there is life and life eternal all around you in the person, of, in the character, and the nature of Jesus? And you're not telling anyone what hasn't happened to you. You're telling them, I've experienced life for myself and I desperately want it for you. And that day that Jesus was raised from the dead, after he'd given his disciples a few hours to get a hold of this, he sat them down and he said some very important things to them that had an enormous impact on them. Verse 44, he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything everything, every single detail must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses. That's the first five books of the Old Testament that we have today, the prophets and the Psalms. In other words, everything that we've been studying, here's the culmination of it for stranger things. Everything that we've been studying from the life of Elijah and Elisha and Ezekiel and Hosea and Daniel, and Isaiah, and all the other prophets, hundreds of years earlier, everything that they said about me has been fulfilled, and it's true, and I'm here to prove that life has victory over death. Then it says, he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this, it was, this is what was written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached to his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm gonna send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city. Stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. It's Jesus' way of saying, I'm going to give you a bold faith, but don't leave town until you've received that. And we read later on that the Holy Spirit came and gave them that bold faith, gave them that power that they needed to be able to take that message, the message of repentance for the forgiveness of sins to the world. And we stand here today because they took him seriously and Christians, followers have been taking him seriously ever sense. And it's our job in our generation to do the same with the people that are around us who actually believe in a historical man who historically on this day beat death, hell, the grave, the whole works so that we could have life and we could live with bold faith. So I'll ask you whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, wherever you find yourself today, I'll ask you the question that was asked of me 
on January the 19th, 2012. What are the obstacles that you're facing today? Put it a different way, what's blocking your search for life? For some of you, it's been bad faith examples. It's been a boring version of Christianity that Jesus never died for. It's religion that just is empty. And you have tried to be the best version of you that you could be, and you feel like it's a dead end. You've pursued a whole bunch of other stuff. Maybe it's been other people. Maybe it's been a career. Maybe it's been something else. But at the end of the day, you realize you're standing in a dead end graveyard. And today is your day to find life. What's blocking you? Maybe for you, it's pride or arrogance. Maybe for you, it's science and you just can't see how Jesus and this whole science world could coexist. Maybe it's something unrelated to anything that I've said today. Maybe it's a deep woundedness or a hurt or a disappointment. Or this is just brand new. Somebody's invited you in. It's just brand new. It's hard to breathe. It's a little strange. But ultimately, can you get past what might be an obstacle and find life, find life eternal? When you do, when you begin looking, people will think it's strange. People thought it was strange, a little bit odd, when all those events got canceled. But I'm here to tell you that 29 days later, I was in the hospice room of my mom's, next to my mom's bed. Amy and I were in there, and she was breathing her last breath. And I said to Amy at that moment, I'm so glad that I don't have any regrets. I'm so glad that I'm able to sit here and I would not have been able to sit there if it were not for the power of a question that changed the story of my life. I would have kept running hard and I would have had a ton of regret. Thank God for the people that he puts in your life that ask you a powerful question that forever could change your destiny. Jesus is here today to ask you why are you looking for life in dead-end places? Instead, put your trust, put your faith in me because I am the author of life. Let's pray. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to invite you to respond to what you've heard today. If you're saying, David, I feel like life has kind of arrived at a dead end, would you pray for me that I could begin to find Jesus, that I could begin to follow him, that I could find life? I'm looking for it, and I really want it. If you want to raise your hand, Jesus will see that acknowledgement, and I'll pray for you today. Hands going up all over the room. This is your chance today. He sees those hands. And he's not here to condemn you. He's here the same way that he was that resurrection morning with love in his eyes, inviting you to die to yourself so that you could have true life. If you raised your hand, I want to invite you to talk to Jesus. 
Tell him that you're looking for him. You're looking for life. He knows your situation. He sees your heart. Jesus, every person that has raised their hands, would you help them as they look to you for life to find an abundant life now and eternal life forever? You can ask Jesus right there in your seat to come live his life in you and through you. But as you do that, take acknowledgement of your own sin. Ask him to forgive you of that sin. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm messed up. Would you forgive me? Would you heal my brokenness? Would you speak life into the dead ends of my life? Would you renew and restore and redeem my broken heart, my empty soul? Would you save me, Jesus? Would you come and live inside me so that my life can be about your eternal purposes? And as best as I know how I offer you me, just as I am. I don't want to have any regrets, so I'm following you the rest of my life, Jesus. Give me the wisdom to know how to begin to follow you and to walk with you. I receive you, Jesus. Thank you for dying in my place that I might truly live. And Father, for all the rest of us here in this place, wherever we find ourselves, we acknowledge that we invite you to bring a fresh awareness of life, what's most important in this life to us. Thank you, Lord, for the way that you showed them that you were alive and active and you're doing that in our midst right now. Even as we see these folks being changed, being transformed, would you do that afresh in new ways in our lives today? Jesus, would you open our minds to your truth as you did those first disciples, as you helped them to understand your word? Would you clothe us with power from on high that we might live with a bold faith in light of the resurrection, that we would not back down when we're invited, when we're asked to explain the hope that we have within us? Fill us with that bold faith and meet us at our point of greatest need today. Jesus, we sing these next songs to you because you are worthy, because you have beaten death and you're worthy of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.